Welcome to the Sword in the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I am Jerry Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. You look exceptionally happy today. I am happy today. You this should be happy today. Yes, it's a good day. Um, hey, thanks so much for listening to us today. And thank you, especially to our fan members, that is the Founders Alliance members. Thank you for your support and encouragement as we battle on. We would love for you to join the fam if you haven't. You get access to all kinds of good resources. We're going to send them in the mail to you. You can check out what it means to become a part of the fam at founders.org. And this is a way that people can partner with us in the work that we're doing. Founders has been around a long time, and it's been through the generosity and kindness of people who believed in the kind of things that we're concerned about, that we've been able to do what we do. And so even like this studio uh, has been supported by people who've come alongside us to invest in this ministry. We're very grateful for that. Hey, we've got a conference coming up. We do. Talk about it. Mm. May 14th through 16th. That's right. In Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky. That's right. Louisville, Kentucky, downtown. The historic Sealbach Hotel. You can register. You go to founders.org. Founders.org. You'll find information about this conference. Very much looking forward to it. The Gospel and Justice. And who's speaking? Tom Nettles. Tom Nettles. And Chad Vegas. Chad Vegas. Tom Hicks. Mm -hmm. John English Lee. Jared Longshore. Tom Askell. Tom Askell and Josh Bice. Yeah. It's going to be a great, great time. Yeah. Um, well, as we get started, we want to talk a little bit about controversy today. There's a whole <laughs> what lot. What do we know about what? controversy? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Is it, is it like me talking about mountain climbing or something, you know? Yeah. It's not the, you know, the sword and the trowel. It's like the. It's half of what we're here for. Take the Nerf gun and the trowel <laughs> that we should be after. No? Um, you've seen some controversy in your day. I have. Does that mean that you're just a hot-headed, mean-spirited man? Is that what that means? Well, it might mean that. Yeah, you're just hot-headed. It so you're, might that's mean what that. That's what that means. It depends on who you ask as to whether or not you'll get that answer. Have you corrected anybody in your day? Have uh, you rebuked anybody in your day? Not nearly as mm. often as I wanted to or could have. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm talking about myself. I should, I should have corrected myself Correct. far uh, more than I have. Yeah. You've, there's been many a time, I think, that you tried to remove my spec when your log was still in there. <laughs> I know, you know, but I like to tell people, Jesus doesn't just say, don't judge. He says, get rid of that log, then go get the speck. That's so, right. You know, you got to do true. it. That's you got to do it. All right. So um, my, my read is that um, given what's going on in the culture, it is causing some serious tremors in Reformed Evangelical world, yeah. which is creating the need to do some to do some iron sharpening iron, to do some fighting. And uh, maybe there's even a generational thing going on here where the older men could, could do that. They knew what it meant to be friends and to correct each other and to rebuke each other like the Apostle Paul did Peter and how Scripture tells us to, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, I've told you to stay where you're at and correct those who are mm-hmm. teaching error. But I wonder if, the, if there's a sense of in, in the younger generation or just seems to kind of be among us today where as soon as someone is rebuked or corrected, uh, people start crying foul, like it's like that's not being like Jesus. Is that kind of thing going on? And what should we think about it? Well, I can put it like this. There weren't any safe spaces when I was coming up. Okay? Mm. We didn't look for them. We didn't ask for them. Safe space? <laughs> yeah. So, What's a safe space? Well, I'm not real sure, but it's a place where I'm not. I Is there any what... safe space in the studio? <laughs> not while I'm here. There's not. <laughs> oh, goodness. You're so domineering, bro. <laughs> no, it's just it's just what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just who I am. I'm sorry. I identify as a controversialist. <laughs> 
No, I do think that there's some generational realities to it, and I think that inadvertently, perhaps by correcting some uh, areas that needed to be corrected in my generation, perhaps there was a harshness or a willingness to go too hard too fast. Uh, there's been an overcorrection of that and an unwillingness to engage or to take any sense of engagement with differing opinions as being mean-spirited or unkind or unloving. Uh-huh. And certainly that's not true. And it's not just generational. There are plenty of old guys that uh-huh. do that. Uh-huh. Okay, so if, if on the one side we have um, the, the people that are kind of playing powder puff and they're not willing to correct each other, uh, whatever that is in the water. And on the other side, we have really just people that yeah. really do straight no, up. You don't have to name them. We the know who you're talking fault about. Fault finders. Right. <laughs> fault finders. Uh, the smallest detail. And they're heavy handed. I criticize. Therefore, I am. <laughs> um, I imagine that they're both missing something. Like they might even be missing the same thing. If Because if, it's not like we just want to aim for this middle. Right. What, that's what, right. What's the principles underneath that they're missing? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the point is... <laughs> How do we get where we need to go? You're not going to get there alone because we all got blind spots. And if we knew where they were, we wouldn't have them. So we need those that are not ourselves to help us. And iron does sharpen iron and friendship does matter. And the wounds of a friend are faithful. So it's good to have people in your life that you trust and that you welcome in to speak to you about anything. I mean, I think about uh, our eldership here at Grace Baptist Church. You know, it's a blessing to be able to have conversations where we correct one another. We invite it. I mean, it's, it's not unusual for folks to say, you know, what do you think about this? I did this. I said this, or I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And to, to offer uh, pointed correction and to not have to preface it with five minutes of how much we love each other and what we don't mean. And, you know, here's what we're trying to do. It's just, we know that. And I think sometimes the, the, we, we miss the point that we're all trying to be like Jesus. And none of us can be like Jesus by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need brothers. We need the, the body to assist us in that. And th- I think that works also in some uh, concentric circles because you know, eldership, right, that's one thing. A church body where you're beyond your close association of elder, servant, brothers, uh, that's another thing. But it's very much biblical prescribed and so we're told how to deal in similar ways in the whole church body you won't have those exact relationships with everybody in the church but you ought to be having those relationships with people in the church and potentially that close with everybody in the church or anybody in the church but beyond that what about other christians that aren't in your church and beyond Mm -hmm. that what about public christians and public teachers and and public uh forums well those same principles ought to apply though they will be applied differently. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, we hear folks trying to offer what they think is a biblical rebuke by, um, well, we've got this recently with um, uh, book reviews that we published on founders.org. Mm-hmm. Did you go to the author first? Mm-hmm. You know, did you, mm-hmm. How dare you? you, know, did you well, he wrote a book. You mm-hmm. know, it's public. Yeah, that, and that's, it's, so, so whatever that presupposition is that makes you go, he wrote a book, it's public. I, I do think people, people don't grasp this. There's a, it seems to be, there's a, we need humility, and then we need to understand that, that truth matters and what someone teaches in the public square matters. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading about John, let's see, George Whitfield and John Wesley yeah. and the controversy that they had. And they spoke in private and Whitfield said, please don't go public with this Armenian right. teaching that you're going to do. And then he did. And when he did, Whitfield said, you know, I'm sorrowful that I have to take up my pen, but you went public. And so I'm going to write an open letter. I'm going mm-hmm. to correct this publicly. Uh, I do think it, the social media has made that wild. Yeah, it's no like doubt. the wild, wild west right now. 
and we do need wisdom, but it's still true if you if, if something is published, this is what's so crazy about the day and age we live, if something is published and it is in error and a Christian is is propagating error, well, that that should be corrected. It's yeah. not wrong to correct that in that same public square in which it was yeah. delivered for the sake of, of the glory of God and the good of his people right. that we should do this. Now, if it's a minor thing, if you're beginning to squabble over things that that aren't significant, well, that's a that's a different thing. That you shouldn't do that. But where there's real error, significant error, and it's in the public square, it should be addressed. Yeah, and you shouldn't uh, just pride yourself on doing that. You shouldn't wake up every morning thinking, "Who can I correct today?" Mm-hmm. Which I get the impression some people almost go that far with it. But we do have, uh, I think, a stewardship, and especially as a pastor. Now, my primary concern is our church, and I want to do whatever I can to help shepherd this church well. But in this day and age where information is uh, so democratically available and teachers Mm -hmm. are readily accessible, they're carried around in the pockets of our members with their smartphones, you can't just let things go. You, You can't not address people by name, teachings by name, and warn your own congregation. And we do that, and we try to do that appropriately so that our folks aren't always... Uh, just looking over their shoulder and second-guessing everything they hear. But we do want them to have that Berean spirit in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, that we're talked about to receive what is being taught, but keep your Bible open to examine to see whether or not it's true. Mm -hmm. And there are certain teachers we commend. Mm -hmm. And that makes another uh, interesting dilemma. Mm -hmm. What happens when you commend teachers and then those teachers begin to go bad? Yeah. Yeah, we get, we got some articles uh, about this on yeah, founders. We do. We got two really good articles. Uh, one by Roger Nicole, and it's a lengthier version of what you can find readily on a lot of websites about his polemical theology. But I think the article on the founders site is called. Let me pull it up real quick. How to deal with those who differ from us. It's really good. And then we also have one that we've reprinted by John Newton on controversy. Mm -hmm. Let me just read you a couple of things from Newton. Newton says, you need to consider the person that you're engaged with. If he's a brother, then treat him like Jesus does. Jesus died for him. You know, Jesus prays for him. The spirit is in him. And so you shouldn't just dismiss him and slap Mm -hmm. him down. Treat him like a brother. If he's not a brother, then treat him like somebody who needs to be converted and don't let your words become barriers to his conversion. That doesn't mean you don't say what's true, but just remember he's got a soul. Consider the public that is watching and realize that other folks will take their cues from you. Some of them will agree with you. And if you come across in a a disdainful way, then you can help your uh, supporters to go down bad roads Mm. and looking down on folks. Oh, that sounds like Twitter. This sounds like a bad. <laughs> well, the, the last thing he says is so vital. He says, consider yourself. And I'm just going to read you some of the things. He says, um, to consider your own concern. It seems laudable to be in defense of the faith once delivered to the saints. We are commanded to contend earnestly for it and to convince gainsayers. If ever such defenses were seasonable and expedient, they appear to be so in our own day, where errors abound on all sides and every truth of the gospel is either directly denied or grossly misrepresented. It's like he wrote this yesterday. And then he goes on. This is so convicting and such a good warning. And yet we find but very few writers of controversy who have not been manifestly hurt by it. 
the one who engages mm-hmm. it hurts himself by it. It's his mm-hmm. point. Either they grow in a sense of their own importance or imbibe an angry, contentious spirit, or they insensibly withdraw their attention from those things which are the food and immediate support of the life of faith and spend their time and strength upon matters which are at most but of a second value, mm-hmm. secondary value. This shows that if in the service, if the service is honorable, it is dangerous. What will it profit a man if he gains his cause and silences his adversary, if at the same time he loses that humble, tender frame of spirit in which the Lord delights and to which the promise of his presence is made? Mm, Amen. So much more could be said. We might have to circle back to this at another time, but those articles hopefully can expound some of this idea about dealing with controversy. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a book that Founders Press publishes called Beyond Five Points. Founders Ministries has been able to do what we've been doing for 35 years because people have joined with us and become part of our family. Today I'm inviting you to become a part of the Founders Fam as well. Become a Founders Alliance member. You can do this at different levels as you contribute to the work that Founders is engaged in. By going to founders.org you can see that you can give at the trowel level, you can give at the shield level, or you can give at the sword level. And if you give at any level we're going to send you a Founders package of materials. We have other exclusive material that we would make available to you as well as you contribute to help us build this ministry for the glory of God. In this segment, we want to talk about a book that Founders Press published in 2002. It's by Ernest Reislinger and Matthew Allen. Uh, Ernie is uh, a late former elder at Grace Baptist Church, was one of the original uh, men who began Founders Ministries. Matthew Allen is an attorney in Tampa, Florida. And Beyond Five Points, I can honestly say, is one of the heaviest books we've ever published. (laughs) It's got some weight to it. This point's got some weight. It's more because of the uh, poundage of the paper Mm. uh, than anything else, though it is weighty in its substance as well. This book was written in order to make the case that really, not just founders, but it was for us, that founders has never been about just the five points. You know, some people think, oh, you just want to Calvinize people. No, not at all. Even when we are contending for the doctrines of grace, we are contending for a right understanding of the Bible. We are contending for a worldview that this is God's world and he's sovereign in every aspect of it, in creation, Mm -hmm. in providence, and in redemption. And so this book addresses that worldviewish kind of concern. It takes up some uh, objections to the doctrines of grace, but it shows that believing the five points and being articulate on believing the five points is not enough that Mm. every Christian ought to want to know the Bible, ought to want to know the God of the Bible and live in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So it's a, it's a wonderful book. I highly commend it. It's Mm. aged well. Hmm. Interesting. So there's, you know, we can think, okay, I I get saved and then I look at the five points and you know, this, this helps me to understand how I got saved. So it kind of has this, it's just a, focus on soteriology. Right. But it seems to be this is saying no, it will it's certainly true in the realm of soteriology, but this is a this is a broader point about yeah. the God who has created the world and right. what it means that he governs the world and even seeing salvation in terms of it's the God who created you that's sovereign over the entire universe. Uh, not a single particle of dust is rogue, right? Right. The mm-hmm. uh, working down of Spurgeon's old quote. Uh, and it's this God who saves you. It seems to me that's that's a pertinent point to be making even now with things that are going on with trying to reduce this idea of, well, God's sovereign 
within the walls of the church, God's sovereign right. in this sphere, but maybe not in others. That's right. And I think this is a good book to be a corrective for much that is going on within the so-called reform movement today. You know, think, so I've got the five points, I can articulate them, you know, and mm-hmm. I agree with four of them or five of them or three of them or whatever, as if that is the biggest deal. Uh, this book shows, no, we're talking about understanding the Bible rightly, and not just that, but then holding the truth that's been revealed to us in Scripture with the right spirit. So there's a last uh, section of the book, last chapter, that's based upon uh, one of my favorite characters in Pilgrim's Progress, Valiant for Truth, and the battle that he wages against those three ruffians, and Ernie points out rightly that those enemies were enemies in his own soul. They're not enemies out there. Sometimes people who are valiant for truth today think we got to find all the enemies and go after them. Well, the real enemies, as John Newton said in the last segment that I read, are found within our own breast. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to contend for the truth, we're going to have to be very guarded not to let that effort itself turn us away from Christ. So what kind of things are, are we trying to correct with this particular book? If there is a guy... <laughs> that says, okay, you mentioned the Young Restless Reform Movement or the Reform Movement mm-hmm. present. Uh, if he gets, okay, I'm a five-point Calvinist. I'd say, so what? What? <laughs> so what? So what? Yeah, it's it's. I chic. got all five points, bro. I know. I got a mother, uh, badges on my, badges on my jacket. Like, it's like... Uh, Tattooed on my leg. You know, being a five-point Calvinist is cool today. It's like Bunyan's character. Uh, uh, oh, boy. When... when, when, when <laughs> When now you're going to start spanking people. Ends. When religion walks in, in silver slippers, that's when I love to go with her. You know? oh. well, so what? It's chic to be a Calvinist today, which means it's dangerous. Well, that's all. You don't have to say anything else. If this it, mic was floating, I'd drop it. It's chic. It's chic. <laughs> it's chic. To yeah. be a Calvinist? Mm-hmm. That, Tell me more. Well, whenever Time Magazine, however many years ago, 10 or, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, says one of the top 10 movements that they see is this new Calvinism, mm. you know. And but you, you seem to be kind of, you, you seem to be saying, Jonathan, there's a lot, there's a mountain underneath what you're talking about right now. I want to hear there's more. There's a big mountain tell underneath me, it. Tell me, let me chunk, I'm saying, a few more rocks. I'm saying we need less of Jonathan Edwards on our T-shirts and more of Jonathan Edwards' theology in our hearts. <laughs> wow. Yes. That's true. So you need to go read some more. You're, you're sensing like some... You're I'm, sensing. I'm sensing that there is a cool factor that's been associated with mm. Calvinism that has allured a lot of people into it. And, and they may genuinely believe it intellectually, but they have not yet plumbed the depths of those doctrines that ought to make us gracious people. Mm. They ought to make us humble. They ought to make us uh, determined praying. to live according to Scripture, absolutely praying, worshiping, and and not so easily knocked around by every wind that blows down from the cultural mountainside. Mm. Amen. Hey, run out and grab Beyond Five Points. You can find it at founders.org. When we come back, we're going to continue our study through the commands of God revealed to us in Scripture. One of the most important issues going on in the world right now are issues over justice and social justice. So Founders Ministries is going to be holding a national conference in Louisville, Kentucky, downtown at the Seelbach Hotel, May 14th through May 16th, in which we're going to address these issues and seek to bring biblical clarity to all of the confusion that's going on right now. 
We are only 15 minutes away from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And you can tell by my tie that it is a biblical spirituality tie, which means I am a PhD graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Believe it or not, I'm not the only speaker that's going to be there that is a doctoral graduate of Southern Seminary. If four, four of the men who will be speaking at this conference are doctoral graduates, of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, one of which is uh, Dr. Josh Bice, the leader of the G3 Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. We're also gonna have other speakers like Pastor Tom Askell, who's the president of Founders Ministries and who has been heavily involved in the work of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary throughout the years and the professors that are there. Dr. Tom Nettles, who is the former professor of historical theology there at Southern Seminary is going to be speaking as well. So we wanna have a big family reunion. If you're at Southern Seminary as a student or a professor, come join us, drive 15 minutes downtown to the Seelbach Hotel and we'll see you May 14th through the 16th. I almost forgot. Since I'm an alum of Southern Seminary and so many of our speakers are alumni of Southern Seminary, we're actually going to offer a discount to all Southern Seminary students. So when you go to founders.org and you register for the conference, make sure to check out that discount. And since we're good Christians, we're actually going to do that for anybody who's a student at any of our seminaries. Welcome back to The Sword and the Trowel. We're entering into our third podcast. If you got burnt third too bad. Podcast? No, it's not third podcast, third segment. But if you got burnt too bad by Big Tom, last <laughs> in segment two, let me be the healing for you. It's your bad cop, good cop. I'm, bad cop, good cop. I'm teddy You just bear. spanked some people hard. And so I need I'm to just, go back and listen to John Newton again. You did, no, 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 no. You did it with love. You, Tom Askell, a.k.a. the Don of the SPC, a.k.a. <laughs> Uh, the governor, you did it well. That was that was because he loves you. Is how that happens. Now we're going to talk about the Bible. Good. Talk about scriptures. I'm all about that. Talk about commands. Commandments. A command of Jesus. Um, uh, the command we're going to talk about today is take care. Then how you hear. Jesus says this in Luke chapter eight and verse eighteen. It says, "Take care then how you hear." to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. What does hmm. it mean that we take care how we hear? Yeah, you just can't believe everything you hear. You shouldn't give yourself to listening to everything, so you ought to be careful what you listen to. If you know that uh, there are erroneous notions being taught in certain sectors or in a church or from a teacher, don't sit yourself down under him. You know, don't mm. do that. Be careful about it. And even with good teachers, trusted teachers, take care. It comes right back to the Acts 1711 of the Berean spirit. Those Jews in Berea more noble than the ones in Thessalonica because they listened to the word, received it mm-hmm. with joy, but then compared it to what the scriptures actually say. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how we ought to be as followers of Jesus. We need to be careful. Yeah, implied in this very command is, is something that's true of the Christian worldview over against uh, a pagan, secular worldview, whatever you want to call that, that, that we are to be listening, that, yeah. that something, yeah. there is truth that's coming to us. 
and we should pay close attention to it. If I just get rid of that whole idea, say, you know what, I'm not really going to believe in objective truth that's out there somewhere being revealed to me. I'm just going through my life and I'm following my heart and I don't have to really pay attention. I don't have to study. It's not as if I might fall into some kind of error. I'm just going to kind of be me, mm. be the best me I can be. Um, <laughs> what a low goal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm just going to be me. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, over here in the Christian worldview, we understand there is a God in heaven who knows all things and we are not him and we don't know all things. Yeah. And the secret things belong to him, but the things that he has revealed belong to us. And so we need to listen to the things that mm. he's revealed. We do that by the power of the Spirit, and we interpret spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Um, but we should be paying close attention, watching our life and our doctrine closely, for by mm -hmm. so doing we'll save both ourselves and our hearers. That's just a—you're going through a different way of living. We try to do this with our kids. Uh, it's Proverbs 4, 1 and 2. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain mm. insight. Mm. This was a fascinating text because I realized I had, I had Bible under the encouragement. You kind of want your kids to pay more attention. attention. <laughs> and you're like, I don't, don't want to press them too hard. And you just can still press them too hard. But there's actually a Bible verse that says pay attention. Yeah. And no, it's common demand. We're going to, because of the fall, our brains are going to go over here and we're going to get distracted. And we're going to be confused. We're not going to understand everything as we ought to know it. But it actually is good to say, hey, take care how you hear. Listen yeah. closely. I was talking to a, a good friend recently. He was talking about raising his boys and driving home from church and saying, hey, you know, what would you hear? What did the pastor say? I don't know. It was really hard. He said some complicated things. Okay, well, all right. Hey, hey next time we need to do a little more work. Next time, yeah. Pay close attention. I want you to remember one thing. Don't, <laughs> don't overburden them, but, you know, kind of say, hey, yeah, try to yeah. pay attention. Take care how you hear. We did that with our kids. They knew every Sunday lunch we were going to have a conversation about what they learned either in their Bible classes. That was you. So you're like, what did I say, kids? <laughs> yeah, I tried to be kind about it, but say, well, what did you learn today? What did you learn today? What'd you hear today? You know? And so they, they picked it up and the olders got it. And then they, they taught, taught the youngers, but it was just good. And it provided great conversation, but it also provided an expectation of exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. They knew that they were to be thoughtful and to process. And it's fascinating back in the Luke eight eighteen, 18, you, know, you read it. But sometimes I think we skate over the latter part of that. It says, take care then how you hear. But the reason is that the admonition, the underlying uh, foundation, mm -hmm. for the one who has, more will be given. And from whom the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Mm -hmm. There's a stewardship that is attached to being careful with how we hear. What do we do with what we received? Mm -hmm. If God's given you great teaching, great understanding of his word, then you have a greater responsibility. Mm -hmm. And if you are not taking care with what you already have received, the warning is, well, then what you've been given will be taken away. It's fa That's a fascinating truth, isn't it? It's like kind of like on a mountain, and it slopes away both sides. Yeah. So if, if you're slacking this and you're, you're not paying attention, what's going to happen is you're going to you lose, lose it quick. It's going to go fast. And then the encouragement is, look here, look here. You pay attention. You know what's going to happen? More wisdom. You know, wasn't mm -hmm. you going to pay attention? More blessings. It's going to come to you. If you're a steward of that, it's going to increase exponentially right. the good things that are going to come to you from and that's, God. And that's true just in everyday life. I mean, that's true when you sit in a classroom and you're learning algebra uh -huh. or history. I mean, it's just it's a way of life. God has woven the world together so that this is a truism. Yep. Amen. Hey. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trowel. Remember, we're going to be in Louisville, Kentucky when? May 14 through 16 for at the National Seal Conference Box Hotel. National Conference. We would love to have you. The gospel and Justice. Join us. It'll Hope be to a see good you time. there. Good time.